Hello, pod people. This is just a reminder that Big Bad Nonsense can be found on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Send us an email, bigbadnonsense at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at bigbadnonsense. If you like the show, share it with a friend. If you're ready, uh, we can go ahead and start. Hello, pod people, and welcome back to another episode of Big Bad Nonsense. It's great to know that you're listening. I am Sock, and sitting here with me is the man who believes that the Earth is actually a upside-down pyramid, Biscuit. And inside that pyramid, we have jokes. Who's ready for a waka? Oh, boy. I guess we are. Um, why, why does Waldo wear striped shirts? Why? Because he doesn't want to be spotted. <laughs> okay, that one's good. So, Biscuit, are you excited for today? I am always excited. Excellent. So, with that, everybody, grab the drink of your choice, whether it's vodka or beer or some form of blood. I hope it's not that. Uh, sit back, relax, and here we go. I'm going to put my blood away. You made me feel bad. All right. So, Biscuit, can we open up the mailbag? I sure hope so. Okay. So, I only have one letter here that isn't uh, the word boat, and uh, that is from Adam in Toronto. Hi, Adam. How the hell are you? Adam actually has two questions for us. The first question is, uh, is Biscuit savory or sweet? I'm more of a savory guy. A little bacon jam on that shit. All right. And his second question is, is sock made of natural materials or synthetic materials? Uh, it's one of those alpaca ones that was like the whole reason for Bitcoin to exist. Wait, what? Boy, boy, we were two ships passing the night on that one, weren't we? <laughs> when... Bitcoin first started getting noticed by dorks on the internet. They proved its usefulness because there was a company that made socks out of alpaca fur, hair, whatever the fuck's on them. And they're like, you can use Bitcoin to get these and nothing else that's legal. Okay, so that explanation sort of clears it up. Uh, I, I, I would have. Really. Yeah, no, no, it doesn't. I would have answered that I'm Merino wool. And see, and now I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, so we are clicking. There we go. Yes, we're really off to a great start. Merino wool is just one of those, like, fancy wools that's, like, really comfortable and really good to wear. Oh, that's that's a good joke you got there. Yeah, it's not a joke at all. I'm really lame. I'm the straight man. You're supposed to do the funny. <laughs> well, it doesn't appear that's going to be happening today, if anything <laughs> so far is an indicator. <laughs> so maybe we should close up to the mailbag and move on to something else. Adam, we'll do better next time. Okay. Biscuit. What? Emus. Emus. Yes, emus. Our theme for the day is emus, Biscuit. Oh, that's exciting. They can <laughs> hang out with the alpacas that died in that last segment. <laughs> 
I can tell that you're not actually excited about the prospect of us talking about emus, but that is the theme that I have for us today. W what do you know about emus? They're animals, and they take dumps. Okay. That's, that's it. <laughs> is there any kind of animal that doesn't take a dump? Um, women. <laughs> Okay. Based on what logic? I prefer to convince myself of that because I like butts. Mm hmm. But you don't like what they do? No, I like doing <laughs> stuff to them. <laughs> Okay, so we have two different stories for here today, Biscuit, and they're both revolving around the theme of emus. Now, you have to make a choice. Do you want to go with uh, the emu financial scam, or do you want to go with the emu war? Those are actually both highly intriguing. Um... I'm going to save the war. We'll go with the financial scam first. The Great Emu Financial Scheme of India is what we're going to be discussing here. Uh, it is a Ponzi scheme. Now, Biscuit, you're familiar with the, the idea of a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, we've already talked about Bitcoins. <laughs> Boom! Oh, we're going to get a bunch of cryptocurrency enthusiast hate mail. Uh, for listeners, how would you describe a Ponzi scheme? It's where you're trying to get somebody to hold the bag for you, basically. Um, you profit off of the work of others below you by basically telling them to do the same things. Like, hey, I'm going to let you in on this awesome opportunity that's going to make me fucking money. And all you got to do is convince two of your stupid friends to do it for you and then two of their stupid friends to do it for them, so on and so forth, so that the people at the top are making hand over the fist and people at the bottom are just looking up like, I can be just like them someday, where the time investment versus what they're getting out of it is no bueno. Well, it sounds like what you're actually describing is a pyramid scheme. Shut up. <laughs> well, it's not totally dissimilar to a, uh, a pyramid scheme. Like what you're describing is like, you know, you, you bring in investors and stuff like that and money travels to the top. And the only way to make money is not by selling a product, but instead by recruiting people to sell the product for you. And then they buy it from you and like money flows to the top. Uh, a Ponzi scheme is similar in nature, but it works more on the financial level in the sense that you tell people, hey, if you invest your money with my firm, you get an excellent rate of return. And as more and more investors hear about this, they start coming in to invest. And as they do, basically, you're just paying back returns to earlier investors based on the new investors' money that comes in. And at some point, you just stop and run away with the money. Yeah, that reminds me of this one guy here on piece of shit alan john feinstein he's like tries to go around as like this guy that helps the disadvantaged children whatever nowadays but um i remember him back in my hometown he had like this newsletter he would put out with like these shitty stocks he was invested in that were just dying on him you know he'd be like I'm going to let all you guys in on a little secret. I sure hope nobody hears about this stock and buys a ton of it mm -hmm. so that they pump it up for him and then he gets out. Of course. Exactly. 
right? Mm -hmm. That's the Ponzi scheme in a nutshell. Probably one of the most famous ones, of course, is Bernie Madoff, who made off with about, what, $50 billion or something like that? Or, well, he was caught in, in the end. He didn't make off with any money. Uh, he was caught, but, like, of course, the money wasn't there. Yeah, they they usually get theirs at the end. I look at, like, you know, Enron, so on and so forth, but they usually get theirs. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, even the guy that's named after Charles Ponzi, uh, his scam was discovered. Like he's one of the the first major people to do it in America, which is why, you you know, it's named after him. A beautiful legacy. There we go. Well, the Ponzi scheme is not unique to American financial markets, and it's not always to do with money. So this scheme came out of India, and it was an emu raising Ponzi scheme. So it's just some guy that was lying about how many emus he had not exactly what he did was he would go to investors and he would say hey you invest money to with me and you 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 basically buy an emu and i do all the farming i do all the work uh and emus are very valuable so then when the emu is slaughtered and sold for meat and oil then basically you get return money on this which begs the question i mean why do they need this person involved if it's such a guaranteed turnaround profit but yeah. that's usually the case with most ponzi schemes right like if you've got some guaranteed way of making this sort of return like just invest all your money why bother worrying about anybody else's money yeah that's where your bullshit detector is supposed to go off because People are not your friends. Nobody is. So if they're letting you in on free money, then something's up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Anytime someone guarantees you return on your investment, they're lying to you because nobody can ever guarantee you. Absolutely. That you're going to make the money. whole point of this. Yeah. Yeah. The whole point of investment is the risk reward ratio of it. There's not supposed to be a 100%. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So basically, they went out and they told people in this province in India, uh, the, name, the name of the first group that did it was called Susi Emu Farms, and they told people for a $3,000 investment, you could get about $120 a weekly return. Yeah, emu oil. I'm confused about Everybody's that. Everybody's favorite. <laughs> I, I, I like I've to never... pour in my coffee. <laughs> I, I didn't know you could get oil from an emu. You can get it from a lot of things. There was, ah, shit, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but this dude, um, decades back, he was just murking penguins by, like, the tens of thousands and just squeezing their cute little bodies into delicious oil. Like, you can get it from just about anything if you wanted to know. Wait, wait, is that a true story, that some guy was turning penguins into oil? Yes, it absolutely is. I cannot remember his name off the top of my head, but I remember hearing the story and, like... Why have we not talked uh, about Hatch. this on the show? I think, it, yeah, Joseph Hatch. Okay. So this was back in, like, the 18, 1800s. Um, <laughs> the start of his... Wikipedia article is he is best remembered for the harvesting of penguins and elephant seals for their oil. Okay. So just squeezing their little brains out. 
Okay, I, I guess I, I, I want to say that makes sense because most of these animals that live in cold weather have a lot of fat. But then again, it doesn't make sense. He's squeezing penguins. <laughs> He's just got a little press in it. They're waddling up to it. <laughs> Hi, stranger. Ah, fuck. Uh, we really need to stop having animal cruelty subjects on this show. Yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah, this is my fault, really, because I brought up emus and uh, ma- making oil from them. Anyway, so that was the whole premise of it. You invest money, they buy the emus, they care for the emus, they uh, then call the emus, they take their meat and uh, they serve it, they take the oil and do whatever the hell you would do with emu oil, and apparently everything about the emu is useful. I guess uh, its hide is a very good leather and things like that. So it's like, hey, guaranteed return on your investment. Give us $3,000 to start up, and you can just roll in the money. And again, they're like, and so why aren't you doing it? Because I like you. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. want you to have the money. Well, this really took off. It really, really took off. Uh, So much so that celebrities started to get involved. Celebrities were throwing money at the emu farm. Uh, And it wasn't just uh, Susie emu farms. They were the sort of uh, pioneers in the area of emu farming. But other people started to get into it too. It was kind of like tulip mania in a way. I think these people who were starting the emu farms had a good idea that, you know, this was a a dead end sort of uh, way to go. Well, yeah, most of these guys know that they got a shelf life and they got their bug out bag already packed for when it all goes to shit. Mm -hmm. Because eventually people, once the dollar signs fade from their eyes, which is how you hook them to begin with, and they actually stop and think about what's going on for a second, and then they're like, yoinks, I've been bamboozled, and that's kind of the end of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, pretty much, yeah. I so- said bamboozled. <laughs> More than a hundred companies eventually set up shop emu farming. That's quite, that's a lot. Yeah, it is. Uh, now, here's the thing. Biscuit you were able to find me a recipe for cow udders. Have you ever seen a recipe for emu? I had not heard the phrase emu meat before the uh, past few minutes. <laughs> I, but apparently you can, yeah, I put it in. I can buy it online from Fossil Farms right now. Okay, would you want what, to? Well, let's see. What does emu meat taste like? So I guess it's like a lean cut of beef sort of thing. I, I've eaten far stranger things than that, so I'd probably give it a go, yeah. Okay. Hell not? Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. You know, someone says, hey, do you want to come over and try emu meat? And you'd be like, yeah, okay, why not? But to set up a bunch of farms and then hope for mass adoption in a country which has never had it before. That's what they call putting all your eggs in one basket. All uh, your emu eggs. Up. Oh, because oh, they're birds. I, I, I got you. <laughs> so, of course, people should have realized this. It's like, hey, everyone's starting up an emu farm. Where's the market for this? Because these things come from Australia. India has no familiarity with emus as, as far as cooking. Yeah, he just got my man in the corner with a bunch of, um, like, empty cans. He's just squeezing their guts out like, Ugh! I got all this oil, brother, but ain't nobody buying it. 
Ah, uh, the return of Juice Bro. It's good to be back in the workforce. Come here, you little fucker. Well, I don't think Juice Bro had much work to do because eventually the payments started to dry up. The people who were invested started to say, what the hell is going on? And the people who ran these emu farms packed up and took off. Susie <laughs> Emu Farms took off with a lot of money. Well, yeah, I mean, this is also an area of the world that it's easier to ghost than it would be here. So, yeah, when they got asked what's going on, they're just like, deuces. That that, that means that they left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I understood. I'm using the... I'm using the slang. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it, right? Okay. So more than $100 million. That's a pretty good pretty good haul. From about 8,000 investors. That's a really good haul then. Boy, they built the fuck out of them. They did. They really did. And, of course, there's all these other farms that, you know, they realized this wasn't sustainable either, and they just sort of take off with the money as well. I mean, anyone who set up one of these emu businesses just eventually said, okay, fine, enough of that. And then they go somewhere else where it sounds exotic, so people will throw their money at it before they actually think about what they're doing. Well, it caused kind of a crisis because there was a lot of people who were suddenly wondering where all their money was and getting no answers. And here's part of the story, too. It's not like the emus were fictional. These people actually had farms with emus on them. Which makes it kind of unique for a Ponzi, because usually it's, oh, we'll, we'll show it to you later. But in this case, they actually got these dumb ostrich wannabe motherfuckers all over the place. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, with a, any Ponzi scheme, you have to show a little bit of realism at the beginning to get investors excited about it. Like, you have to actually pay something out so everyone's like oh wow I really can make money with this and then confidence increases and then you get more investors etc so they had to show that they had emus but now once they had all the money who gives a shit about the emus exactly so mm -hmm. their their lifestyle is about to um, go down a little bit it's estimated like, where's that guy that used to feed me what the fuck <laughs> Now, it's very difficult to get a full figure on how many emus were abandoned. Some estimates say around 100,000. Some say as high as, high as like 120,000. Uh, some are a little bit lower. But there's a lot of fucking emus that are suddenly just abandoned. I love it when somebody brings a huge bird not native to my country in by the hundreds of thousands. And then it's just like, okay, off you fuckers go. Yeah. The government... I was forced to buy $200,000 in emergency rations to feed emus. Oh, I mean, that's better than them, like, putting out a hit squad. That's what we do in America. Like, all these gun fuckers sitting at home stroking the AR-15s, we just send them out there and be like, go take care of it. Because that's what freedom tastes like. <laughs> freedom to... Slaughter emus by the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Is there... Have you ever heard something more beautiful? <laughs> I don't know much about what happened after that, because now, of course, you've got 100,000 emus, they're feeding them, and, like, there's still no mass adoption of emu meat in India. So I, the, the ultimate fate of the emus, I have no idea. I don't think there's mass adoption of emu meat anywhere. Well, I think they um, eat it in Australia. Well, yeah, they, they 
eat kangaroo in Australia and they call it Skippy. What's your point? <laughs> We're talking about Australians, not humans. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I'm just saying if you're in a place that you go out your front door and there's a spider the size of your fucking head above it and you stay there you're fucked up <laughs> biscuit what have we learned from the great emu ponzi scheme that emu is the next red meat and it always will be uh, i do encourage people to take it up uh i'll <laughs> next time i'm cooking i'll cook in some emu oil <laughs> Mm, yeah. Feel the squeeze! <laughs> this break in audio is brought to you by Sock Having Gonorrhea. Gonorrhea. <laughs> Get it in stores today. Hello, pod people. Pardon the interruption. This is just to remind you all that we're available on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. If you'd like to help out the show, please share it with a friend go on one of those services and give us a thumbs up, give us some star ratings, or just like us. And now, back to the show. So, Biscuit. What? We already know that you have a clear bias against Australia. Yeah, I, I wish we could push it farther away. <laughs> I have to admit that anytime someone tells me that they want to visit Australia, I have to turn around and say, Why? Yeah, I mean, do you have any idea how many things are there that could fucking kill you and they just, like, walk around? you mm-hmm. got to be a rough motherfucker to make it in a majority of that entire continent. You know what I thought was crazy? Even those, like, uh, what's that stupid animal that looks like three other animals sewn together? Platypus. That's it. It looks like part beaver, part fish, part duck, or whatever. Yeah. Even those things yeah. are poisonous. Yeah, you look at it and you're like, oh, look at you, you silly thing. Then it's just like gnawing on your brain. <laughs> I've been told that the males have like a spur or something behind their rear legs and that they have a very painful poison that they can like inject you with. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that back hundreds of years ago, this place was just used to throw all the prisoners that weren't wanted anymore. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a fucking animal deathmatch island. You don't want to go there. There's all these things like you see like how like hippos and shit are like are, hippos are there, right? No, that's in Africa. Uh, well, fuck it. Hippos are in Australia now. And <laughs> they look like all cutesy on the cartoons and, and they'll fucking kill you in real life. Yeah, and a I, kangaroo. A kangaroo will kick your ass. Yeah, they will. Those ones are actually in Australia. Yes, yes, kangaroos are actually from Australia. Anyway, why are we talking about these fuckers? Well, because Australia declared war against emus. That sounds like something they would do. Picture this. 1932. Australia is in the middle of the Great Depression. The world is in the middle of the Great Depression. All these veterans from the First World War are 
back at home and the Great Depression hits, the, the, the government is trying to find things for these former soldiers to do. The best thing that they can think of to do is to give them land, is to turn them into farmers. Also in Australia, the Great Depression is another term for being awake. <laughs> These soldiers turned farmer. Now, of course, Australia is a harsh climate. I mean, there's like very livable places in Australia too. Like we can't knock the entire place, but it's a harsh climate. And of course, everything wants to kill you. So being a farmer would be a hard life. Yeah, everything wants to kill you. Is If I was like in charge of tourism for Australia, that would be the slogan. Everything wants to kill you? Come see Australia where everything wants to kill you. Now, these farmers, they had a problem, and the problem was emus. That's not an emu. But, wow, we did not like that one. Well, okay. I, 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 was, I, was, I was trying to see where you were going to go with that, like if you were going to be like, this is an emu. Are, are you doing the Crocodile Dundee thing? Is that what you're yeah, doing? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that was the implication. I didn't feel I actually had to finish it. <laughs> I was just going to sit back and let you do your bit. <laughs> oh, you know I don't have bits. I just kind of puke words out. Okay. Emus were the problem. So, oddly enough, all these poisonous animals in Australia, and the problem is these big, stupid birds. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What? <laughs> I'm letting you go. Okay. <laughs> fucking, fucking awkward to be left out there like that, isn't it? <laughs> Okay, so despite everything that can kill you in Australia, the big stupid birds are the problem. Because emus, they do all their breeding or whatever, and then they assemble into these massive herds. Can emus be considered herds? Massive groups of emus, and then they head towards the coast. And, yeah, I mean, if you see a giant bunch of birds, like, stampeding towards you... You know your day is about to get shitty. Well, and on top of that, like, these farmers are planting things like wheat, which is, you know, bird food, essentially. And blooming onions. <laughs> I hope you don't seriously think that onions come out of the ground fried and blooming. Don't ruin this for me. <laughs> I had a blooming onion once, and that was enough. It, party, you kind of like it, though. Yeah. Is it actually Australian food, a blooming onion, or is this just something that the out, Outback Steakhouse said is Australian? Oh, yeah, fuck no. I mean, it's it's about as Australian as Foster's beer. It's just kind of something that's marketed that way. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I, I had an Australian friend in university, and uh, he was an exchange student, and I actually said to him, I was like, do, do they actually drink Foster's in Australia? And he was like, no. No, absolutely not. There's just... Capitalizing on the dumb Americans once again. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, 20,000 emus, a great horde of emus coming at you. The farmers are going to be a little bit upset. Destroying crops, destroying rabbit fences, basically causing havoc. Now, of course, the birds have been there for thousands and thousands of years living their lives, as were the native Australians. But now that these white people are here and trying to do their colony thing, things get a little bit tense, I guess you could say. Yeah, well, white people don't care how long shit's been yours when they decide that they want it. Yeah, exactly, right? So not only have they taken the land to farm it, but they've now decided, okay, these mighty migrating emus have got to go. Now, how do you get rid of a horde of emus? Grenades. 
<laughs> they had well, you're you're in the ballpark. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I, I actually I actually hope it's landmines. You're just like <laughs> sitting out back watching your crops, and some Evu comes walking along, and then just explodes. You're like, holy shit, that was cool. <laughs> okay, keep in mind that most of these farmers are veterans of the First World War, and they went to the Australian government you know, demanding a solution. And the government was like, well, we don't know what to do. So, of course, being veterans, they said, you know, in the war, we noticed the effectiveness of this new device known as the machine gun. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) So the relatively new technology at the time of the Lewis machine gun it was decided that they would take one of these large guns, and it, it's it's a very, very big machine gun, mm-hmm. send out some soldiers, send them out with 5,000 rounds of ammunition, and say, just mow down as many emus as you can. I just, <laughs> I'm just thinking about, like, the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan, but the soldiers coming off the boats are emus. <laughs> Just a machine gun nest tearing them up. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that has to get made. Okay. Uh, actually, I, I misquoted that. It's actually 10,000 rounds of ammunition. Well, I mean, at this point, what's being a little off with the number? You're well, taking a machine gun birds one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Yes, right? Like, you're using machine guns on an animal. That, that's kind of an unbalanced fight. Well, I mean, like we mentioned already before, you know, Australia's a colony, and, like, anywhere that Britain colonized, they, the fights were quite usually unbalanced, right? Like, a bunch of guys with guns deciding that the people who had lived there for thousands of years shouldn't be living there anymore. Yeah, white people don't fight fair. And war in generals, you, you kind of take what advantages you have and if your opponent's a bird you have a lot of them there you go right so like if they weren't willing to show respect to other human beings to fight fair they're definitely not going to bother with any emus i think that would upset me as an aboriginal if they were respecting fucking dumb looking ostrich cousins more than me yes absolutely (laughs) there's a lot of there's a lot of things that uh, would probably piss off aboriginals, but if they re- gave respect to emus, I-, I would say that's more respect than to you. I would say that's another thing to be angry about. Yeah, that's a pretty big fuck you. Yeah. Anyway, about <laughs> about the bird genocide. Okay. Well, here's the thing, though. It, it didn't end up being a genocide because, as it turns out, emus are better opponents than you might imagine. I hope one of them gets their hands on one of the guns. <laughs> okay, not that far. So, the first... <laughs> the first That ad- would be fucking terrifying. <laughs> What's worse than an emo charge you? One that's wielding a fucking machine gun. I wonder how dangerous emus actually are. I probably should have looked this up. Because, I mean, like, birds like ostriches can be dangerous, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. An ostrich, they're pretty nasty. Right? Yeah, like, they try to disembowel a... you if you piss them off. Yeah, they will. But if you get around them, they got that long-ass neck, and you can just snap that thing. So you just got to kind of dodge the first blow. Yeah, Not but that I've thought. the thing about ostriches, though, right, is they're like chickens, right? Like, disabling the head doesn't stop the bird. Really? 
Yeah, I, I I read this article once for like from this like former zookeeper guy, and like one of the birds like ran into something or something and like broke its neck, so its like head sort of like toppled over, but like the body was still running around like crazy. <laughs> That's kind of horrifying, but okay. Okay, let's assume that emus are not as dangerous as um, ostriches. From everything I've read, they seem to be very curious birds, but also incredibly stupid. Well, most birds are stupid. And you hear about turkey farmers that they got to, like, watch them to make sure they don't fall face first in a corner and suffocate because they can't figure out how to get up. (laughs) Okay, well, those are domestic birds, right? Which are sort of bred to be dumber. Yeah. Yeah. Fair uh, from what I've read, emus uh, were hunted by the aboriginals uh, e- mostly in times of necessity uh, and only out of necessity. It's not a bird that they regularly ate. And they usually hunted it by distracting it with like feathers on a stick. <laughs> they just jingle the keys while somebody comes up behind it with a frying pan. This seemed to be basically what they did was like distract it a little bit, like uh, appeal to its curiosity. And then someone just comes up and like, finishes it seems like a good thing to have around when times are tough so that's the opponent these people are facing and they're facing it with a machine gun you you gotta be sure man okay so what happened was the first attempt that they made is they uh travel to campion in australia and they see about 50 emus in the distance so the birds are out of range of the guns so they say, okay, you guys go over there and scare the birds in our direction, and then we'll shoot them. So basically an ambush. And so they're putting people in the line of fire. That's always a good idea. Well, I, I don't think they were going that far. I think they just said, scare the birds in this direction, and then, you know, we're going to be shooting this way or whatever. I, I, I don't think there was really a friendly fire danger <laughs> in the emu war that that'd be a pretty embarrassing one you know how'd he die well he was chasing a bird and i shot him accidentally (laughs) isn't that what happened when dick cheney shot his friend in the face (laughs) yeah um that was with a shotgun so he was like right in front of him but he was probably just trying to harvest his organs for his fucking 15th heart attack that fucking vampire piece of shit but they were they were her turkey hunting or something like that, weren't they? Uh, I think I think it was quail, but it was it was something that you should not struggle to determine if it's a person or not. Okay, so there is a precedent for people for friendly fire accidents and bird hunting, but it didn't happen in this war. Oh well, maybe okay. the next one. Now the problem with emus, so they said, okay, scare the birds this way, and we'll ambush them. They're ambushing birds. This is this is ridiculous. But anyway, scare the birds this way and we'll ambush them. Now, the thing about emus is that when they're startled, they tend to scatter. So that is not what you want when you're trying to clump them all together. It's the, it's the opposite of that. Exactly. So this group of 50 emus basically disperses and they're like, what good is a machine gun? Like a machine gun is for like a high density target. Like a bunch of soldiers are running at you, you mow them down with a machine gun. Here, it's like, there's an emu over there, over there, over there. What do I shoot at, right? And so, one guy goes, well, I didn't want to have to use the sniper rifles, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they, he's pulling out a sniper rifle. 
maybe about a dozen emus were killed. Well, that's the start. Mm -hmm. A little bit later, they establish an ambush near a local dam where there's about 1,000 emus walking towards them. This time they said, we're going to wait, and then when the emus are here, we'll open fire. And this time they got 14 of them. Well, um, no, they got about 12. <laughs> How do you, out of 1,000, you said? Yes. Uh, the emus were coming towards them. They opened fire, and not long after they opened fire, the gun jams. <laughs> so they killed about 12, and then, of course, like by the time they unjammed the gun, the rest of the emus are like, well, we're not sticking around. Well, maybe they'd be curious, like, what's he doing over there? Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. They made several more attempts after that. They tried mounting uh, the gun on a truck and just driving after the emus and then mowing them down with, like, a machine gun truck, basically. See, that's kind of what I was thinking next. Is like, what if we do, like, a killdozer sort of thing? Just fucking barge into them with a vehicle. Well, here's the we're, thing. We're getting closer. Yeah, well, here's the problem, though. Uh, the truck wasn't fast enough. <laughs> they Did any of them know what an emu was before they, like, started planning how to get rid of them? Well, I mean, these are professional soldiers, right? I mean, they're not n normally called upon to kill birds, right? No, usually just minorities, but still, you'd think mm. they would have a basic understanding of, like, how is it fast? Mm-hmm. I, I guess not. Yeah, clearly not, because they couldn't gain on the birds. Like, they're just driving the truck, the birds are running, and th they just can't catch up. They can't gain range in order to shoot the emus. And, of course, the truck is bouncing and everything, right? This is back in the 1930s, so it's not a very stable position for a machine gun. Uh, basically, after all of this put together, 2,500 rounds of ammunition have been fired, and maybe as many as 200, but probably more like 50 emus have been killed. That is not economic. No, it is not. Right? It really isn't. Plus, I mean, are these guys getting paid to do this, or is this like a volunteer hit squad? Th these are soldiers, right? When the when the uh, the farmers went to the government, they said, we want you to do something about it. The government said, okay, we'll send you soldiers with a machine gun. Only professional soldiers can op... Well, like, uh, I, for obvious reasons, they didn't want to give machine guns to ordinary civilians. Uh, so they said... Why these... not? <laughs> In America, we're fucking trying to do that. Well, yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> American American attitudes aside, most people consider it wise not to just furnish uh, farmers with machine guns and say, "Go and kill what you need to kill." So these were professional soldiers who were doing this, right? So I'm assuming they were be being paid their regular soldier wages. Okay, so this is, I mean, just if you're just pissing away bullets, it's not really a big deal, but. If, if you're paying these guys to go around and play cops and robbers with fucking birds and they're not doing it, um, that's a bigger issue. Well, I mean, 2,500 rounds of ammunition, I, I don't think that's going to be cheap either. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that machine guns require a very specific kind of ammunition. I'm not an expert on guns. I, I, I can't tell you, right? Uh, so, basically, the first battle of the EMU war over these few days, they tried to ambush them, they tried to chase them down in a truck, and they failed. So, so far, they're losing the war. 
that's gonna be a real hit to the ego when you go home knowing that birds are kicking your ass. <laughs> Uh, okay, I, I have to read I have to read this quote uh, from this ornithologist. His name is Dominic Cerventi, uh, who he, he, just listen to this quote. Okay, the machine gunner's dream of point blank fire into serried masses of emus were soon dissipated. The emu command had evidently ordered guerrilla tactics. <laughs> and its un- its unwieldy army soon split up into innumerable small units that made the use of military equipment uneconomic. A crestfallen field force therefore withdrew from the combat area after about a month. There's like this one emu that's got like a bandana and face paint <laughs> on that's directing traffic. <laughs> like they 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 were so stumped by emus. That they're attributing, like, guerrilla tactics to a giant bird. Yeah. What what we forgot about was the famous Ibu strategy of... (laughs) I mean, you're really reaching there when you're saying it's... Their fucking tactics are the problem, and not that you're just dumb. Mm -hmm. Well, I I guess you are kind of saying that you're dumb if... Bird tactics are defeating you. <laughs> okay. Um, they did make a second attempt. The military withdrew. Farmers came back and said, Hey, look, we've got a drought. It's still the depression. We've got emus invading by the thousands. We need to do something about this. They renewed military assistance and they just sort of went out with soldiers and just tried to, like, shoot the email emus individually they had a little bit more success not much though maybe about 300 emus they killed and you, of course we still got rambo emu out there he's like i do first blood not me <laughs> he's like putting together like a catapult putting together a what a catapult oh a catapult okay it's just you cut off there i didn't hear it yeah it's probably for the best okay eventually they managed to kill, in total, about maybe 980 to 1,000 emus, were the estimates, the higher estimates. Congratulations! At an expenditure of about 10,000 rounds of ammunition. And salaries and just massive hits to the male ego. There we go, exactly, right? So, you know, can you declare this a success? I don't know, but you've got 20,000 emus and you've killed about 1,000 of them. I would say calling that a success is a real stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, when when you're setting the bar at massacring birds and you don't even achieve that, I don't think that there's, like, cause to have a national holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They didn't. Uh, this wasn't really a solution to the problem. Eventually, the government did what they probably should have done in the first place, and they just told farmers, get yourself some guns, we'll furnish you with some ammunition, any emus come your way, shoot them. Hey, that's probably what they should have done to begin with, instead of having a fucking campaign. Yeah, and getting a machine gun. No, they should have done that, because that's just hilarious. But, <laughs> oh, but having, like the emu elimination armies that that's a little excessive 
Yeah, well, it, it was only a few soldiers that they had, right? It's not like they ordered an entire battalion of soldiers to go and exterminate emus. <laughs> like, a bunch of Roman legionnaires going out there, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Actually, that probably would have been more successful if you just lined up a bunch of legions with swords and just had them march forward and drive the emus away. Yeah, just, like, shield wall them into the ocean. It probably would have been more effective than machine gunning them would have been. It sounds like a lot of things would have been more effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> so, Biscuit, what have we learned from this? <laughs> that don't fuck with an emu on the battlefield. Don't take a machine gun to an emu fight. V- very good. You did good. <laughs> you did good. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, I, I hope I never have to fight an emu. Like, I, I don't know a situation where I would need to, but I hope I don't have to. But if there is another emu war, then I think the reasonable thing to do is just send a bunch of guys out with boxing gloves. And, you know... Just punch them in the face? Yeah, just do it the old knuckles way. Yeah, why not? Because apparently machine guns, like, if you're spending, like, you know, ten bullets for every emu you killed, right, you might as well just punch them in the face. Right, plus it's a way funnier image. <laughs> okay, that's about all we have for today. Biscuit, I'm sure that we probably have nothing to plug. I don't think we do, um, except for my new emu steak at fucking restaurant name. I wasn't ready for us to be done. Does it come with a side of blooming Onion? Only when they're in season. Are they cooked in emu oil? Yeah! <laughs> Alright, pod people, thank you for listening. Reminding you all that we can be found on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. You can email us bigbadnonsense at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at bigbadnonsense on Twitter. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Do drugs, fuck girls, start fights!